Welcome to another Channel 17 podcast brought to you by the Productive Leisure Network, online, ProductiveLeisureNetwork.com, and on Twitter, at ProdLeisure. I'm your host, Will Floyd, and joining me as always, my father, Tim Floyd. And as always, great to be here. Uh, so we have missed a week because I went to Anaheim and stayed overnight at Disneyland on a whim. But a whim that was related to baseball. My wife wanted to watch her beloved Yankees face the Angels. So I've seen Gary Sanchez hit a home run in person. Yeah, well, last time we talked. so have a lot of people so right. far, right? That guy is off to a great start. But I'm impressed, Will. Someday you can tell your grandchildren you saw one of his first home runs. Right. Um, uh, one, one of what I assume will be many in his yeah, well, so long, far. productive career. But the, the other interesting thing... Um, it was one of those games that's just not all that interesting because the Yankees scored three runs in the first inning and then won 5-1. Yeah, it's also two teams that aren't that interesting at the moment, except for Gary Sanchez, I guess. Right, the Yankees at uh, least have Gary Sanchez and Aaron Judge who have just come up, so there was like, ooh, new right. players. I'll, yeah, they're looking to the future. Give, give them some credit uh, for that. And the reason I actually really the want to bring it up is... They don't seem to have much of a future, do they? <laughs> no. The other reason I brought it up is... It made me think that I don't want to make a prediction for the offseason, but a thing that I think is possible and would be amazing is that the Braves trade two or three young pitchers for Brian McCann, and then one or yeah. two of those get turned around to the Angels with a lot of other guys for Mike Trout. Oh, yeah. That, I, I like that idea. I, as I've told you before, I'd probably trade the whole 25-man roster for Mike Trout, but uh, I was... I mean, of course, I'm a little bit facetious when I say that, but Anything that involves having Mike Trout on your baseball team is, is pretty exciting, but I, I also cannot imagine. I mean, I suppose the Angels, figuring that Trout's the one big asset they have that's very marketable and they have not much in the way of a farm system, mm-hmm. is what I hear, that they may decide they just have to do that. But uh, And the Braves have lots of you know prospects that might entice a team, but you're, you're going way out on a limb right now, I think. <laughs> Well, no, I think that the most likely destination for Mike Trout is the Yankees. Yeah, Cause of course. The money, obviously, but also he grew up in New Jersey, a Yankees fan. Yeah. So he might be more amenable, and it might be a thing they'd try harder. Uh, and it's the kind of thing the Yankees would love to pull right. off, I understand all that. And the other uh, thing, but the real important thing is, I, I mean, the Yankees have to get rid of Brian McCann. They do, but I tell you what, as much as I love me some Brian McCann, he has been one of my favorite Braves of the last generation, uh, I do not want to give up much of anything in the way of prospects for him. Um, I don't care if the Braves pay a lot of his salary. Uh, What I really don't want to see is the Braves giving up too much in the way of the future for a guy who probably is only going to contribute for the next couple of years, positively, I would bet. Um, so I, I'm, I'm kind of wary of. I'm happy to take on McCann if it's kind of a salary dump by the Yankees and the Braves with their new payroll can pay him. But I don't want to give up anybody I'm excited about in the farm system for him. And also, the Braves have been hitting of late. They sure have. It's been amazing. They, you know, their with, bullpen they has been a disaster. Historically bad uh, offense the first couple of months of the season, but it's been probably better than league average the last month. You never know. On the I don't, other hand, the pitching yeah. has sort of fallen apart over the last month or six weeks. Starting pitching, that is. And I will also say that 
It's been against some teams that aren't doing so hot themselves. True. We have had bullpen woes, which is also the Braves' problem. Yeah. Braves will get a solid start, and then the bullpen will give up five runs. Yeah, the Braves' main problem, I think, is that they had to start people like um, whatever Fausto Carmona's name is now. I never can remember it. Um, for a couple of starts, Joel De La Cruz in a good many starts. That's, um, but that's that's sort of a fluke. That's the combination of injuries to Williams Perez and John Gant, and also just you know struggles from Matt Whistler and Aaron Blair causing them to be sent down, and all of a sudden they were left with with not much. Um, on the major league roster as starting pitchers. But the good news, Will, as we speak today, we're coming off a couple of great starts. Yes. Last night, Fulton Evich pitched as well as I've ever seen him and I actually watched the game. It was fun. A couple of nights ago, Matt Whistler had a no-hitter through six innings, looked just as sharp as I've ever seen him. It's just one start, but that's that's what gets me excited about this Brave, seeing guys like that pitching. Well, I mean, and, even if Joel De La Cruz pitches well, I don't get excited right. about it, right? But, but also, guys, we, yeah. we've buried the lead. Dansby Swanson's up. Oh, yes. We haven't really talked about no. Dansby on this show, have we? Since we missed last week. That's the. I'm feeling just more excited about the Braves today than I have in a good long while because, as we said over and over again this year, this, this year's mainly about the future, and we hadn't had that much in the way of glimpses of the future, but we're starting to see it, aren't we? Yeah, uh, just having Dansby up, and not just having him up, but playing well. He's made some excellent plays in the field. Um, I'm, I've always heard he had a good glove, but man, the guy can can pick it at shortstop, and he's got a good strong arm. I mean, it's small sample size, but I love what I see from him. He swings the bat well so far. Um, it's early, but he hadn't been overmatched. Right. Yet, so he's hitting two seventy eight with no secondary skills so far. On the other hand. It's been 10 games. Things yeah, happen. He hadn't hit the ball with any power. I guess a couple of doubles. Um, he's kind of like I've seen him at the plate. He hadn't walked a lot yet, but he's he's not a free swinger. I, he seems to have a pretty good approach up there. Um, yeah, I think major league like pitching. About him and it's just fun to have him there, and I think I hope we see him there for another decade or more. Yes, and I think major league pitching now is defined by everybody can get the ball over the plate. And if you can't prove that you can make people pay for that, you're not going to see That's a pitch right. outside the strike you got to be able to hit the ball with some authority, uh, or else they are just going to pound the strike zone. Uh, you're not, you can't go up there looking for a walk. As much as I love plate discipline and taking your walks, you can't just go up there assuming that's what's going to happen because unlike maybe in a lot of these minor league pitchers that can't find the strike zone, most major leaguers, they got to throw a strike, they can do it. You're right. And Jace Peterson is the best example of this. Jace right. Peterson had to learn to turn on a fastball. And then he started yeah. seeing more pitches outside the zone and could utilize his eye. Yeah. You know, he's quietly put together a, a good, strong season after his really miserable start and going down. Um, I like what I've seen out, out of him. Another guy that has really turned it on is Ender Enciarte. He's, not, he's never going to be a great offensive player, but what he's done since... You know, he missed the first month with an injury, and in May was abysmal. Um, but pretty much ever since, he's he's been what he's been his short career so far, which is a guy who can get on base, not hit with a lot of power, but um, you know, do, do kind of what you want out of a leadoff man. Um, his defense is pretty outstanding. 
So, so there, there are several bright spots. And, of course, we haven't yet mentioned today Freddie Freeman, who's quietly putting together probably his best year ever offensively, yeah. as it turns out. Um, and I'm still amazed he has six triples. This will never cease to amaze me. Yeah, I still think that's a misprint or a typo every time I see it. I don't believe it. But well, I mean, I know he does. But, but the point it's is, hard to imagine. he can wallop the ball. Yeah, he hits it hard. Yes. And, and he's, I mean, he's hitting 290 with 68 walks on the season. Yeah. 34 doubles, six triples, 26 home runs. No one will talk about it because the Braves are not an interesting story, but he has been fantastic. You know, he's had a couple of bad stretches. He got off to a slow start, mm-hmm. and so it's been sort of a quiet year for him. And as you say, the Braves are terrible, so nobody pays attention anyway. But he's he's hitting the ball as well as pretty much any first baseman in baseball over the last couple of months. Uh, and that's saying something because there's some pretty good hitters out there. Um, but he's... And he's he's so consistent. I said he's been a little bit inconsistent within the season, but if you look at these this season's numbers compared to every season he's had in his career, he's he comes out pretty pretty close to the same. This year, a little bit stronger, especially in power. He's, his slugging, I think, is going to be higher than it's ever been. He's already got more home runs, and that's that's encouraging because the guy's still just twenty six, right? Yeah. He, He's just now entering his prime years, especially where guys like that may really develop even more power, you know, loft the ball a little bit more. He, he could, um, I just, I'm really liking some of the core we've got. Well, and here's what's weirdly exciting for me, uh, which might just be because I'm weird, but the Braves are not just moving towards having some good offensive pieces. They should have a heck of a defense next year. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping Adonis Garcia, as well as he's hit recently, he's still not, you know, Harmon Killebrew. You know, he, either offensively or defensively. He's served well, yeah. Neither way, he, he's serviceable defensively at third base for whatever reason. He was so bad at first, but he's he hadn't looked too bad. But I, 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 I think it's not hard to envision. Metrics, but, but he's okay. I think it's not hard to envision a double play combination. Of Ozzy and Dansby, maybe Jace Peterson gets the bulk of the starts at third. Yeah, uh, Donis can um, be a bat off the bench and start against lefties. Yeah, that could. Be that would improve your defense there. a lot. Yeah, it would. Um, and Enciarte playing center field, get Malik Smith back, or one or the other of them in center field. Exactly. Um, that's that's two excellent outfielders out there. I mean, there. Matt Kemp would still be out there, which and that's good. If you got Matt Kemp, you're going to need two really yeah. good defensive outfielders to go with him. Um, shades of the '70s Phillies, <laughs> right? And yes, I am comparing Matt Kemp to one of the worst defenders ever. In Greg Luzinski. The, the difference, of course, Greg Luzinski was a very bad defensive player from the first day he came to the major yeah. leagues, and he never got good. Matt Kemp was a center fielder and actually won a gold glove. Um, and it wasn't that many years ago. Now, I doubt he deserved the gold glove. I think he got it because he was a good hitter in center field. But, but you usually so, don't... center field. Yeah. I mean, as bad as the gold gloves are, you also don't get them if you're an embarrassment. Greg Linsky never... Luzinski never won a gold glove. Right. Or Adam Dunn. Or, right. you know, any of the famous butchers. So I guess... I mean, what's weird about Kemp, he had a... I don't remember exactly which game, but 
where in like the first inning he had a routine fly ball at the warning track that he just dropped. Yeah. I mean, it looked like my very bad softball team. Oh yeah, I mean it was as routine as you can ever get. Took his off of it or something. The kind of thing yeah. major leaguers don't do. But the main thing about Kemp is he is so slow now. I don't know if it's the injuries or the weight gain, a combination of both, I assume. But the guy, I mean, you look at him on the base pass, you know, he can barely get from one base to the next. He just can't move, which makes him a lot like Greg Luzinski. Yeah, but Copy told him to lose weight, so we're fine. Yeah, he'll he'll be in the best shape of his career next spring, no doubt. Well, I mean, I also, and I think part of the um, secondary conversation from the Dansby call-up is that it, was occasioned by Eric Ibar being traded to Detroit for a guy whose best case scenario is that he becomes an okay backup catcher. Right. Which and, isn't a bad thing to have. If, no, but if but, he doesn't work out, it's okay. They were just getting rid of Ibar so they could call and, up Swanson, And they and got Mike Avilas, who they promptly cut. So obviously the, yeah. the idea was who wants Eric Ibar in any fashion? Right, and because it's the Braves to, decided, for whatever reason, we'll go ahead and bring up Dansby, and I, I love that. You know, we've been saying all along, the idea probably is to have him as your opening day shortstop next spring in April. And why not let him get accustomed to the big leagues here at the end of the year? You know, some people worry about service clock and that kind of stuff, but when you're as bad as the Braves are and no guarantee of anything, just go for it. Besides which, if the guy really is a local favorite – the odds are excellent. He probably signed some extension anyway, right. so the service clock becomes irrelevant. Um, I just, I'm just glad they didn't worry about that sort of thing. And um, it's also the Braves traded Jeff Francoeur. Yeah. And I didn't shed any tears over no, that one. But, but what was interesting um, was no one really said Frenchie's back because you can't do that. But uh, they were very close. Like all the Braves beat reporters were like, yeah, he, yeah, he's he wants to be in Atlanta next year. So yeah. basically, we um, traded I, Jeff Francoeur for. I don't know that I would stuff. want to have Jeff Francoeur, but I, you know, I've I've been beating up. You need Jeff a fifth Francoeur outfielder. Drives me crazy. He was actually a pretty productive player for the Braves. You don't want him as a regular starter, but as a right-handed bat off the bench against lefties, the guy still got value. And apparently he's a good clubhouse presence. I don't have any way to evaluate that, but everybody seems to like the guy. Um, so if they sign him again next year and flip him again at the deadline, that's all right with me, I guess. But I don't want to see him taking starting any games out there. Right. Because they've already... The larger point to me is the Braves got something back for Jeff friggin' Francoeur. That's from... true. And something that, you know... May... Coffee's gotten some some decent value, I think, in a lot of these trades um, this year. People you wouldn't think would have much value at all. They're all prospects. You never know who's going to make it, but people that at least have a chance. And part of why the Braves got into the rebuilding situation in the first place, which is a much larger conversation we probably shouldn't have, but in my mind is they had no depth. Oh, right. So I think that's clear. When something happened you were really screwed over. Right. You know, they were counting on um, just a handful of people coming along in the system. And some of them panned out over the last decade. Um, you know, Freeman, Tehran, you know, homegrown products turned out to be pretty good. Andrelton Two panned Simmons, out but, for the Braves. But, 
but you got to have a lot of depth because a lot of them don't work out. When they had those awful pitching injuries a couple of years ago, for example, um, you know, Beachy and Minor and, and Medlin all go down at the same time. Um, they didn't have Sean Gilmartin ready because he, you know, he just wasn't any good. <laughs> he never right. was going to be good. But their number one draft pick, a college pitcher, you, you got you just got to have more more people available when you need them, and they just didn't have it. But my goodness, they they've certainly got depth on the farm system now. And these August trades have been really like here, and they actually had the problem this year. Although Anthony Recker is hitting guy scrappy pickup, but they got a catcher who hopefully can not embarrass himself at the major league level in two or three years. Yeah. Well, that's important. Catchers get knocks. They've got right. a guy throwing 100 miles an hour at him with someone swinging yeah. a heavy bat in front of him. They get injured while squatting. So right. that's a good thing. Got a guy who's played shortstop with some offensive capabilities. So if one of your infielders goes down for a week, you don't have an embarrassment as your backup infielder for that time right that's yep. all good long-term building that makes me feel good about copy even though these right. are overall insignificant deals we traded eric yeah. ibar and jeff francor for non-stars having lots of depth is a good thing but then that the, the other side of that coin is you need to have some real stars coming along and um we're still yet to see who that might be although i'm, I'm pretty excited about swanson i, I love the year that Ozzy Alves has had. Um, do you think we're going to see him before this year is over? September call up. Uh, I they, think they so. Would do that for the fans, I guess, just to see. Although here's my here's my entire way of saying that. If they're not worried about the clock for Dansby Swanson, what? Why keep Ozzy back? I think that's right, but the the difference is, well, for one thing, you got to create a forty man. Uh, roster spot for him, and it, as odd as it sounds, you know they, they they've got a bit of a forty-man problem again because of all this depth they got, people they got to add to it. Um, although I guess for the rest of this year is not as big a problem as certain other people for next year, uh, and he's clearly going to be on it next year because I'm counting on the guy being on yeah. the major league team next year. But yeah, I'd, um, I'd love to see him. But that's just as a fan's perspective, that would be fun make September baseball worth watching. I watched last night's game. This is Sunday morning now, but the Braves are on this West Coast trip and haven't been able to watch much because it's late. But I was up on a Saturday and I watched the Braves last night. And it was fun to see, mainly because I love good starting pitching. And Fulton Evich had just a phenomenal game. Um, but my point there is, it was, and I, I'm enjoying watching Swanson and do what he does. Um, it, I like watching baseball and I just have not, watched made very many games this year but if I can see these young guys up there doing what I want them to do that was fun so maybe we'll we'll see a little bit more the rest of the way and there's also just a sense that you know when I've been watching the Braves recently I get excited for Dansby's at bats right me too and I it's more that when Freeman came up earlier in the season I would not dread it because every other people I would dread, basically. Right. Nothing oh, to do yeah, with Freeman there. Several black hot, just you'd have to turn away. You couldn't watch with yeah. some of the lineup they've been trotting out there this year. This week, they've actually fielded lineups with everybody in the lineup with an OPS of at least 700. 
they were having many games early in the year where nobody had an OPS of 700. It's just it's a world of difference offensively. And partly it's just, you know, some guys have just started, like NCRT, obviously, right. um, it's just started to turn it on. Yeah, some guys have gotten to 700 OPS rather than re- yeah. being replaced with guys. Right. I do wonder what the Braves are going to do in September. I I mean, I don't think that they care enough about holding on to Brandon Snyder. But that's the only real move. And, of course, someone could go on the 60-day DL, heaven forbid. Yeah. The interesting thing about September for me is, apart from whether Ozzy comes up, that's kind of fun to think about. And maybe Rio Ruiz, you know, if they're just going for it, let's see what he can do. You know, he's put together a really solid season. Yeah, he's, all, not he's also not season. on the 40 man. I know, so you get the same issue. So we probably won't see him till next year. But anyway, what I'm thinking about for September is who's the starting rotation? Um, we It looks clear now that Whistler's back for good. Fulte will continue to pitch. Aaron Blair is pitching Julio, today. Um, Aaron Blair is pitching today. Um, I got my doubts about Blair. Um, but, you know, let him pitch in September and see what he can do. Apparently, John Gant is um, healthy. He may get a few starts in September. Williams Perez may be ready to throw a few starts to see what a lot. You know, they still got a lot of these pitchers that are basically, they're ready for the major leagues, and let's just see what they can do. I'm not talking about the ones that are double-A and below, but you yeah. know, they got about seven or eight guys that are may or may not be major league pitchers, but... They don't really need much more than minors. We just need to see what they can do, I think. and I, I don't know how many of those may work out. I believe Aaron Blair has been throwing harder at AAA recently. I've seen reports to that effect that his fastball's been in the, at least has touched the mid-90s. And, and um, I don't think of him as a guy who's going to blow up by anybody, but it could be that when he needs to throw it over the plate, it's just not good enough. Right. And if that's solved... The main thing about Blair, he's got kind of a heavy sinker when he's on, and when I've seen him, um, but he was his location, you know, a sinker ball pitcher gets the ball up, even if he's throwing it in the low 90s. If it's not down at the knees, um, major leaguers are going to crush that, and we certainly have seen that with him. The, the main thing with a lot of these guys is command. Um, command and control. They walk too many, but they also just don't seem to know where that fastball is going. Terrell Jenkins is another good example of yeah. that. Good stuff. He throws mid-90s. It even seems to have some movement, but far too many of them wind up in the middle of the plate. I, I wonder if Jenkins might be better off long-term in the bullpen just because he can add two or three miles yeah. an hour. That may be. I mean, if, if you throw in 96-97, it doesn't matter where it is. Um, you know, they, they did move him to the bullpen early this year when it looked like they had a lot of starters rates in major leagues, but then we had all the injuries and the people getting sent down ended up starting. And, and he is he's a curious case because his strikeout-to-walk ratio was horrible. You'd look at that on its own and say, mm-hmm. this guy cannot be a successful pitcher. He's not striking out that many guys. He walks a lot. Um, and it wasn't and good at AAA where he had a 270 RA. His ERA, you know, has been good last year and this year. And even in the major leagues, he's prevented runs better than you'd expect, given those peripherals. I, I love the guy. He's a good athlete. He seems to have pretty good stuff. In his case, it's it really is a matter of putting the ball where he needs to. It's not electric stuff, but, you know, it seems to be good enough. 
I mean, the thing about Jenkins to me is that I actually think he almost puts the ball over the plate too much. And I know he walks more guys than he struck out so far in the yeah, majors. He walks too many people, and yet he also puts the ball over the plate too much. That's command, though. That's yeah. Just, he's just not putting it where he knows he needs to put it. Um, and command can come around. I'm, I'm a long way from giving up on him. I like the guy. But, but I feel that way about all of Nobody's worth giving up on yet. Um, and again, the evidence is pointing to Whistler and Fulte really being guys that you feel okay about. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to get too excited about one good start out of Matt Whistler, but I've seen a lot of good starts out of Matt Whistler in these two years they've had him now. He's also much um, younger than you think. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, he throws harder than, I mean, people say he doesn't have top-of-the-order stuff, but the, nowadays people say you got to throw in the upper 90s to be in that category. Well, he doesn't have the fantastic breaking ball. He doesn't have a great fastball, but he's got a good fastball, a good breaking ball. He's really worked on that changeup, um, and he, he he knows how to pitch. He clearly does have a pretty good idea what he's mm-hmm. doing. I just like Whistler from the start. Um I was so pleased he had that great start this week. So I know he's going to have more ups and downs, but I think he's going to be an okay major league pitcher. Yeah, his problem is really the home run. Yeah. Which I don't... And then again, I guess his command for a guy who doesn't have overpowering stuff. If if you leave a ball up and out in the middle, these major league hitters are going to crush it. And he doesn't strike out enough guys. But the other other point about Whistler is... uh, really good defense behind him could do wonders for him. You know, you made that point earlier, and that's something to be excited about. This could be a very good defensive team, which, you know, that's the old Braves playbook from the 91 season. You got a bunch of young pitchers, uh, give them really good defense behind them mm-hmm. to boost their confidence. And, um, and the Braves didn't have that, that great a st- strikeout staff in 91. Glavin, you know, guys putting in play. Charlie Mebrat never struck out anybody. Obviously, Smoltz and Avery struck a few more batters, but I, I like a good defense. It's just more fun to watch. Um, so, I, I think I think all the pieces are in place, but it's still going to be a while because, you know, I still think there are too many questions about this rotation for next year I'm talking about. We, we're still going to need some of the younger guys at the lower level to come through before you got a dominant rotation. I'd also feel and, better if there was someone with really good major league track record that could maybe give you like 180 to 200 innings of quality I think, stuff. I don't think there's much doubt. They're going to look very hard to try to sign a free, veteran free agent in the offseason. Yeah, I don't know who I that keep is. hearing that. And then, you know, somebody that can give you a lot of innings and maybe even pitch pitch deeper into games. A lot of these young guys are just going six innings every time, and that just takes too big a toll. So they they need somebody who's more of an innings eater. Um, But I don't know how many there are out there that that are available. Um, But the other thing that we have been watching uh, recently is whether the Braves will avoid being the having the worst record in Atlanta Braves history. Uh, that is, they're they're on pace to do better than that team, right? At yes. the moment, but barely. <laughs> they, I mean, it yeah. looked like they were in good shape, and then they had a, a week where they lost six out of seven. I'll, I'll um, also be honest. Some of this is a 
I've resigned that they're going to lose 100 games. What's it, what's it take to avoid 100 losses at the moment? Pretty much a 500 September, right? Not quite. They're 48 quite. and 82. Yeah. So of their remaining 32 games, they have to um, lose less than 18. They have to go 15 and 17 the rest of so the way. So it's, it's, they can be a little under 500. That, that's but barely. Yeah. Um, so they, that's something to shoot for, not to lose 100. The problem is if they if they don't lose 100, they're in danger of losing the overall number one draft pick, right? I mean, they've still got a lead in, in that race. You would, you would rather have a higher draft pick, but how much of a difference is there between the number one and number two overall pick, really? I, I don't have the slightest idea. Some years, maybe there is, because there's a clear number one. Um, although even even the clear number ones don't always pan out. Who knows? Um, this is also the obligatory also the Todd Van Poppel mention. Um, you really do. I mean, it's worth more to have the number one pick. Um, and if you're going to be in last place anyway, which the Braves are. But I don't care, Will. I'm a fan, and I want to see baseball. I want to see them win games. Yeah. I was a lot more excited when they won um, two two nights ago, three nights ago with Whistler, and they won last night with Fulton Evich. Um, and I'm not thinking about the number one draft pick. They're going to draft in the top three in any event. Yeah, and um, I, I really do want them not to lose 100 games just because that feels bad. It, it, it just feels better going into next season. They brought up some young people. They played better the last couple of months. They avoided 100 losses. I'm with you. I'd rather them. And, I'd love to see a winning record. And they number. haven't guaranteed uh, beating the record of the 88 Braves, but they would only need to win seven more games to do so. With 32 yeah, but that's, that's not a lead pipe cinch, you know. Um, right. they got to win seven games the rest of the way, which they could, but, you know, even a first-place team like they had in that September collapse year under Gonzalez, I'm not, I don't think they won seven games in September that year. Well, you okay. never know. That was a jolly way to put that. Um, yeah. So... Uh, and looking at the record of the late 80s Braves, which I frankly don't do often because it's depressing, and you have yeah. to think about people yeah, like you, Andres Thomas. You're blessed to be at an age where your first Braves memories are the early 90s Braves. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I lived through the late 80s Braves, and um, I, di- I didn't pay close attention, but I remember them pretty well. But yes, let's go back to that. Let's but talk I, about Well, no, again. here's what I want to talk about. The 1989 Braves have a tie. This is not the last tie in Braves history, remarkably. Um, but th- this is what got me going on it. Yeah. So the the most recent tie was in 2002. Okay. They had a tie in 89, in yeah. 81, although 81 was a weird season all the way around. Yeah, 81. It, it, all kinds of weird things that season. 74, 73, and 72 all featured ties. Is there some change in the rules so that there there was a reason you could have more ties back then? Well, I feel like they've been more insistent about this game got called by rain and we're going to pick it up at 5.30 tomorrow. Whereas I think it Um, used to be if we need to decide stuff, we might come back around to it. by, By the way, maybe I'm not remembering right. How is it possible to have a tie? You got to have a suspended game that's tied, and then you never finish it. Is yeah. that the deal? 
um, which is going to be rare. Um, it's it's uh, it's only going to be in a season where you're not in the pennant race, of course, because you you will finish a game no matter what. <laughs> well, no, it makes the, a difference in the outcome, right? The 2002 Braves had a Taiwo winning 101 games, so it's yeah, not that well, you're not, not in the not pennant that, race. It's that it doesn't matter for the pennant race. Yeah, that, that's what I meant. Not that you're not in it. That, that, that your team doesn't. That game wouldn't make a bit of a difference, and that's the way this one is. But so, this has made me weirdly want to see a tie. Again, um, yeah. in the same way that I kind of want to see forfeits, which is a thing. Earl Weaver did it once. Yeah. By the way, uh, I'd, I'd rather not see a forfeit. I, think. I mean, I have been at a admittedly independent minor league game where there was a forfeit. That was fun. Um, but I don't know. I just find this interesting, and like you don't have memories of these ties at all. No. Not, not Isn't it amazing state. how you don't they, think about it? Well, like even 2002. I mean, the Braves were way ahead that year. Yeah. Um, I have no, but it, you know, it just doesn't matter. You got a suspended game, and are you going to make it up or you're not? And most of the time, you'd rather not make it. I mean, especially especially if it would mean an extra trip to some city that you weren't going to go to otherwise. I mean, you can see why they. I'm, I'm almost surprised you don't have more of those actually. Um, I feel like when they can that. That they I guess suspend it's pretty unusual to end up with a tie when you when you have to you've already played five innings and it's tied and it rains and you you wait and you wait and you finally can't finish. That's really what we're talking about, right? That's the only yeah. situation it would come up, well, I guess. So the tie in nineteen seventy two was three three against the Cubs at home. Uh-huh. As the second game of a double header on Tuesday, July fourth. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> um, they finally had to cut, you know, July 4th home Braves games are always a big fireworks thing. There have been several famous events uh-huh. um, around those, but I do not remember that one. You mean this one? And uh, here's the thing. Was the second game of a doubleheader, they finally ended up tied, so they had to call the game, suspend the game at that point, that is. And I cannot find, like, Baseball Reference doesn't have a note with its box scores. By the way, the umpire stopped this game. Had to be the case, of course. Yeah. It's a little more unusual then, though, that, you know, the Braves, the Braves and the Cubs were not in the same division back then, and I guess they were playing more unbalanced schedules. Mm-hmm. But still, it's hard to think that was the last time the Cubs came to Atlanta in July. It used to be that maybe it was, so you got late in the season and it wasn't worth it for the Cubs to make a special trip to Atlanta to finish that game. I, I also want to ask you a question about this game. Okay. The starting pitchers. Remind me, what year was this? 72. 72, okay. The starting pitchers were Denny McLean and Milt Pappas. Who was pitching for who? Um, 72. Um, well, Denny McLean must have been with the Braves. That was that short experiment when they yes. signed him. <laughs> but I like that you paused. That it's it's well, actually to, hard to course, think about. Because Milt Pappas, you know, pitched for the Braves for a while. Right. Um. That's interesting. But Denny McLean, I it had escaped my mind that Denny McLean was with the Braves. I mean, you know, it was back in the deep recesses of my memory, but very deep, and it took me a while to retrieve it. Yep, sure enough, he was – that's an interesting guy because he was so dominant in 68 and 69 
and by this is 72 he was completely mm-hmm. washed up he yeah. ended up going to prison I mean his life was a mess but he also couldn't pitch he just completely lost it yeah he was I also an was overweight that they could fix back then, but he was out of yeah he was he was out of shape and I think he was an alcoholic and or drug addict and I mean he was he was a mess but he was a great pitcher <laughs> just like three four years before yeah. that um the 1989 I won't look up all of these uh, the 1989 tie was against the St. Louis Cardinals, who were really good then, when the Braves were really bad. Yeah. Um, this is a little bit on from the Cardinals' great season. But the pitching matchup there was Zane Smith versus Joe McGrain. Yeah. Um, Joe McGrain was a, was a pretty good left-handed pitcher um, for the Cardinals. Um, Zane Smith was not a bad left-handed pitcher for the Braves. In fact, he was probably the Braves' best pitcher in the late 80s. That tells you how bad the Braves were yeah. in the late 80s. Um, before all of a sudden, Glavin and Smoltz came along and then Avery. But Zane Smith was, you know, kind of solid. Um, but I just, I, this game ended in after 10. Yeah. So I don't know what was going on there. It was at Bush Stadium. It apparently started in the middle of the day. So I'm guessing that there was like a storm that came up. But I have no idea. This is the weirdest thing. Yeah. Well, they just you'd think the box score would at least give you a notation. Well, maybe maybe you can have your fantasy realize and the Braves will have a tie the rest of the year, but um don't I don't I don't think that they I think they're trying to avoid it. <laughs> Probably. It's, well, it's pretty rare. Don't obviously. you feel like the, you know, you know this one th- one game has is, been I suspended? The, the, the fields are, they don't call games as much as no. they used to. Um, the fields are just better and it can rain hard and then they can still dry it out. Right. Um, there, there are a few more places that have roofs, of course. That's one reason you wouldn't um, have as many rain outs. Anyway, Will. Um, as interesting as this is, I need to call a halt on this one this morning. <laughs> if, well, so it's... If, if, um, so, I didn't want to get that far... Ahead, though, I think, over the next month, potentially. Right, so I didn't want to get that far. That. We did it, but I didn't want to get that far into September call-ups because we will do that next week once we know that. Right, it will, next week will be um, right. September, so we can... Or, and, yeah, it will be one of the next time we talk. Uh-huh. We'll be and the and ups, I hope. Uh, we will keep an eye on the Braves' record, and hopefully they will be able to surpass um, the 54 win marker. That's something to shoot for. Uh, I'm with you. Let, let's let's try to avoid 100 losses. Let's have yeah. a winning September. It also gives us something to kind of follow, which I like. If we pick second or third next summer, that's all right with me. <laughs> yeah, that's totally fine. Uh, but so that's all stuff that we are keeping an eye on. So just because it is, uh, reaching September and the Braves are 48 and 82 doesn't mean that there's nothing to follow. We've got Dansby Swanson. We've got Freddie Freeman. We've got Julio Tehran, Mike Fultinovich and Matt Whistler. Maybe we'll add more, uh, but that's all to see. And we will talk about it next time on the channel 17 podcast. And uh, if you like what you're hearing, you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher, and do please leave a review if you really are enjoying this. You can also find all of our episodes on our website, ProductiveLeisureNetwork.com, and you can follow us for updates on Twitter, at ProdLeisure.
Thanks for listening and see you next week.